In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss the report the Sixers are being investigated for potential tampering and salary cap circumvention. We talk about the proposed arena at 10th and Market, and we weigh in on whether or not we think this is the best team of the Joel Embiid era. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I am doing fine. We uh, we actually have some non-basketball stuff to talk yeah. about. It's actually, look, we, we complain a lot about not having stuff to talk about, but for July 30th, like yep. a decent amount of Sixers news going on right now. Yeah, no, look, when you get into late July and August, you don't always have podcast material, but because it's the Sixers and because off-seasons are never normal, we do. Um, so basically, the there was a report from Adrian Wojnowski of ESPN that the Sixers were being investigated for tampering. Uh, let me pull up his report here. And there's really two parts of this. There's tampering and then there's cap circumvention. We will get into both. But this from Adrian Wojnowski, the NBA has opened an investigation into the Philadelphia 76ers for possible tampering and early contact centered on the franchise's summer free agency class of James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Daniel House, sources told ESPN. So that right there is sort of like the tampering aspect of it. It is really early contact is what you're focusing on there. We've seen that happen a couple times here in recent memory, most notably with the Bucks two years ago and then with the Heat and the Bulls last year. In all three instances, they were had to forfeit a second-round pick. Not the end of the world. If the Sixers have to lose a second-round pick here, in the coming years, um, it will not doom the franchise. That is not the big concern. Bigger concern is cap circumvention. And this, again, is also from Woj's report. One of the central elements of the league's inquiry includes questions on Harden's decision to decline a $47.4 million player option for 2022-23, take a pay cut on a new two-year $68 million deal, sources said. Around the league, there have been questions about whether there is already a handshake agreement in place on a future contract, which would be in violation of collective bargaining rules. And it's that handshake agreement on a future contract, which is really what would be circumvention in this case. It would basically be in a hypothetical world. The Sixers came up to James Harden and said, look, we know that you're going to opt into that $47.4 million contract. How about rather than doing that, you sign for a, you know, you take a pay cut, a $33 million contract. And we will make it up to you on your next contract. We will pay you more than we otherwise would have to make up the difference for what you gave up to allow us to go out and sign P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. That would be salary cap circumvention. Historically, the league has come down very hard. Historically, there haven't been all that many instances of this, in part because I think the league came down so hard on it. But the biggest example, the most recent example, the one that comes to the top of my mind, the only one I can really think of that has been proven was the Minnesota Timberwolves in the late 90s with Joe Smith. And basically what happened is they lost, you know, the Wolves lost Tom Gugliotta. They had to replace him. They didn't really have much cap space to work with. So they ended up signing Joe Smith. Uh, and, you know, Joe Smith was still young at that point. I think it was fourth year in the league, but he was a, a disappointing number one overall pick. But because he was young, his market value, he still had some value in the market. But they signed him to a one-year contract worth right around $2 million. And they would wind up signing him to three consecutive one-year contracts in the $2 million range. And all this was worked out beforehand. Um, you know, they had not even really a handshake. They had it in writing, which is where they really screwed up. But they had it 
worked out where they would sign him to those three one-year contracts, get his bird rights, and they're going to offer him a multi-year $80 million contract to sort of make up for the money that he had, you know, gave up by signing those one-year deals below market value. They're going to make that up to him with that bigger contract once they had the bird rights and could go over the cap to do so. When the NBA found this out, they came down very hard on the Wolves in a way that, quite frankly, I've never seen before. They find it, they find the team $3.5 million, not a big deal, but they then stripped them of five consecutive first round picks. I think they ended up giving at least one of those back to them, but initially they stripped them of five first round picks. They uh, voided the contract for Joe Smith. So that agreed upon $80 million contract. They didn't even have the bird rights to execute that. So Smith ended up losing out. And then they also, I think they even, um, you know, suspended without pay Kevin McHale, the GM for a year. Uh, so they came down very, very hard. That's a very serious allegation. And really what we're talking about here, you're talking about two very different things. And I think that's why you have to separate them. Um, and, and look, a lot has changed since the late nineties, you know, 24 years ago, talking about a different commissioner, number of revisions to the CBA penalty might not be, there might not be a one-to-one comparison here on the penalty, but the NBA treats, you know, tampering and circumvention very differently. And they're very different allegations. Uh, and one is much, much, much more severe. So if the Sixers did actually circumvent the salary cap, and if the NBA can actually prove that, which would be tough, the penalty would be much, much, much higher than tampering. Much higher. Yeah. So so I, I would say there, yeah, there are two elements to this. So let's let's identify the first one. Um, PJ, I, I would assume, and look, all, all I know right now is what you what has been reported. The Sixers, they say they are cooperating with this uh this investigation. Um, the first half of it, the tampering element, the PJ Tucker stuff had been reported for a few weeks and, and really, I mean, a couple of days before now I want to add a couple things here though. How many deals get reported in the first hour of free agency? And you tell me there was no contact before on any of them. Of course there were. Of course. So, so I I guess what I would say here is the league doesn't care about, the league's goal here is not to stop teams from talking to players early. They just don't want you to be out in the open and brazen about it. Like that's really like when they take yeah. away a second round pick, they're not like, Oh, this will stop teams from tampering. No, it won't. They just don't want you to flaunt it in public. Yeah. And so may the Sixers get punished for, like you said, letting it too far out in the open. Yeah. I think there's a chance. And I think, like you said, second round pick, that is the general, penalty for this it's so funny that we've come full circle with uh with the process and second round picks where oh we used to talk about oh my gosh do they have 12 14 second round picks over the next six years and now it's like yeah fine take it away yeah that's fine i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be the 55th pick in the draft anyway so who cares you know i mean look when you're when you're talking about that 2014 sixers team you didn't have very many guaranteed roster spots that you know you you Mm can fit a couple of second round picks on that roster it's a little tougher to fit second round picks right now so uh, that that part is less serious. And I would also say that part, to me, it feels like they could be found guilty yeah. on that that part. And it seems like once the <laughs> the way the end, you've sort of alluded to it, once the NBA starts looking into this, it's probably pretty easy to find instances of tampering. Yeah. And and does it feel a little bit selective? Yeah. Like, I, I almost feel like this is going to happen at teams every offseason. It's like, all right, last year, Bulls, Heat, 
that was your turn. You know, you you made your big free agent signings in Lowry and Lonzo Ball last year. All right, the Sixers, they got out in front of it, P.J. Tucker. And by the way, if the penalty is all you have to do is give up one second-round pick for P.J. Tucker to make sure the P.J. Tucker deal is in place and you're going to get him settled, I, uh, it's like Aldo Rain in, uh at the end of Inglorious Bastards. I, I make that deal. It's it's not a bad deal. So, yeah, that part is it's whatever. I, I you know we'll, we'll see what happens there. It seems like you would be able to prove that considering the reporting was out there. the uh, The second part, like you said, more serious. But you mentioned a couple of things. Joe Smith, that was in writing. First <laughs> off, there was some of that stuff. That whole thing is so funny to me because first of all, they risk all that for Joe Smith. Like Joe Smith is the definition of replacement level. And granted, he was still young at the time. He was a former number one pick, but the dude never made an all-star game. He never made an all NBA team. They risk all of that. Basically they squandered, not, I don't want to say squandered because who knows what they would have done with those draft picks, but they really risk Kevin Garnett's prime for Joe Smith. It's hysterical to me, but also it's funny to me because they put it in writing. You can't put something illegal in writing like that. Look, the agent, that uh, was working with them with Joe Smith was also Kevin Garnett's agent. So I guess he had a, a little bit of sway here in making sure that they couldn't screw over Joe Smith, but you can't put that in writing. Like that's it's mind boggling, mind boggling. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's, it's, it's a good point. And honestly, you're, uh, you're showing your age a little bit, knowing this era of basketball <laughs> a little bit better than I do. I just, I, I was a little too young for this. Obviously just, just knowing the, the CBA, and the salary cap were completely different in terms of, you know, that was the era when guys could get like seven year contracts. Right. And it was, uh, it was a little bit different. So, yeah. So I I think the, the big issue with this is, well, well, let's just say this, like we we've talked about the handshake agreement before you've, you've written about this. Like, is there something on the back end here? Like, is that, is that part of this? Like, it's not something that is coming out of left field, this no. suspicion. Um, but it will take far more than a suspicion to oh, cost yeah. the Sixers multiple first round picks. Far, far, far more. Basically, but, the way I would phrase the way, it. They, they don't have first round picks. <laughs> no, that's, they don't. that's the other issue. Well, and I think I was actually, when you say that the Wolves were forfeited five first round picks, I think two of them they had already traded at that point. So it was like a technicality. I think one of them they ended up getting back. Um, but yeah, the Sixers don't have a ton of first round picks. Still, it will take far more than you and I speculating or talking out loud or wondering or even executives wondering. It will take cold, hard proof. And unless Daryl Morey was a dumbass and left some of this in writing. And an you would unbelievable think the, dumbass. An unbelievable dumbass. And you would think Morey and Harden have a strong enough relationship where like Harden doesn't need that kind of an assurance to take that pay cut. Then I think this is going to go nowhere. That would be insane if they had it in writing. I mean, my you could, if it is not in writing, even if there is like an actual dollar amount attached to this, yeah. they could all say no. And the NBA has nothing. Well, yeah. You can't prove that. So I would be, um, I would be surprised. I wonder if, if Michael Rubin is, is a little bit involved in this. Although, you know, Adam Silver was kind of on the record being like, Hey, this guy could tamper now, uh, now that he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's part of, uh, part of the, the normal world it, and not it, running it's a team. interesting how that was made a big deal like other team owners don't have billionaire friends that they could theoretically do this with like michael rubin's the only billionaire fan of a team who could funnel money elsewhere like there's <laughs> there's these risks everywhere when you get associated with with these kind of, of billionaires 
Speaking of billionaires, did you know, this is a little off topic, but I, I'd read the story this week and I couldn't believe it. Dan Snyder, who's like one of the worst people and owners in sports, sports for sure. Do you, do you know he, he has been hiding out from a subpoena on his yacht in international waters in the Mediterranean? And he finally like waited Congress out to the point where uh, he avoided the subpoena. Wow. I mean, that is the most rich guy shit I've ever heard in my life. Like that is, that's like Bond villain type shit. It's as a you, different world. Yep. You said, uh, okay. Yeah. But can they prove it? I'd be surprised if they could. And, you know, like we said, I think you've, you've termed it as, well, what if it's a wink, wink deal too? Like that's, if it's a wink, wink deal, then there's going to be no proof on, on that. So, you know, I wonder who, who sent this. I I would be surprised if, uh, if South Florida maybe made a call to, uh, to the NBA headquarters, because let's be real. Like, you know, Woj in his report said, PJ Tucker, Daniel house, James Harden, Nobody gives a shit about Daniel House. No, nobody cares about that signing. Like, I mean, I, I I care about Daniel House, but nobody in the league is like gonna lose their mind about Daniel House. You don't think that complaint the... came from the Utah Jazz? No, I don't. Whoa, yeah, did you the, even the remember Utah... he was on Utah Jazz before I said that? Because like it, the Utah yeah. Jazz. I don't think Danny Ainge remembers it with all these picks <laughs> he's got coming in. Uh, no, Daniel House signing the biannual exception at or agreeing to the biannual exception at 6.45 p.m. is not that's no. not getting anybody in the league mad. So it's clearly the P.J. Tucker part. And that's where I think the Harden part comes in, because Harden had to take less money for P.J. Tucker to uh, to come in here. As you pointed out on Twitter yesterday, I do think it is. I don't know if it's ironic. It's it's funny that whoever is making this complaint is bringing up, Oh, the salary cap circumvention where I think most of the other contenders in the league are rooting for. Yeah. Daryl, give them a billion dollars <laughs> yeah. next year. <laughs> no, I'm terrified that they haven't might have an agreement in place. I'm terrified <laughs> of it. Uh, we, we talked about this numerous times on the podcast. Like if he has a slight bounce back season, they give him way too much money or they already agreed to give him way too much money. I find that completely terrifying, but it will help them this year. Look, I think um, tampering, early communication, probably a decent chance they get they get punished. The punishment would be small. Cap circumvention, big punishment if they did. Low chance that they actually get caught doing it. That is the one the NBA actually wants to dissuade teams from doing. That is the one the NBA treats as a big deal. The other one is more like a we wish you, we kind of wish you wouldn't, but we understand you will. So we'll you know just don't make it public. Yeah, and look, if they do get caught, we will have a. Uh a big scandal on our hands and a big, uh, you know, another big talking point. Has there, I, has there I agree with you. been one of these like real cap circumventions that have cost teams picks? I know that there was a lot of talk about it with the Clippers and Kawhi, but I, nothing ever came of that. I don't know if there's been another one since Joe Smith that is really um, comparable. I, I just think teams are too smart now, yeah. right? Like, I think they just, if they do, if, if they do have these conversations, they're, uh, they're face to face. So, um, and even I'm just thinking too, like, like if it's like a wink, wink deal, if, if it's like, look, you know, if you play well, we'll, we'll take care of you. Like that's, well, the other I feel thing like is, there's, there's like, a level of trust between Maury and Harden where I, I don't think they need, um, you know, a contract yeah. like, to be drawn up. Well, this. and the other thing with the Joe Smith situation, because there was evidence, they voided Joe Smith's contract. He didn't get bird rights. He wasn't able to sign that $80 million deal that he was counting on to make it worth signing those three short-term deals beforehand. If there is a wink-wink agreement between Harden and, 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 and Maury, 
it's in Harden's best interest not to document that and not to leak it too, because then that will, he's not getting that then. Like it, it just, it, there would have to be a, a colossal fuck up um, for the Sixers to lose multiple first round picks in this. That's, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Small chance. If it does happen, man, did they fuck up? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. I mean, sometimes these things like I remember last year, didn't the, the announcements for the the Bulls and the oh yeah it was months it was months and months and months that was well months the season and by the way did you see I think Bobby Marks tweeted he was like look they can they can investigate this the the Harden part for years like they this doesn't have to be closed this year so is this just going to be like hanging over the entire team I don't I don't really know we'll see uh, like I said I don't I don't we'll see I, I I wouldn't shock me if something came out of it but I think it's much more likely to be the um, tampering not the, the circumvention. All right, moving on. Uh, what else did we have here to talk about? Uh, arena. Oh yeah, there was the arena. The proposal for the arena at Tenth and Market. I guess I don't know if I, I wrote a little bit about this. I don't know if I have too many strong opinions on it. You know, I think where I always go with these, you know, downtown arenas, it'd be really cool, but it's a logistical nightmare and it impacts a lot of people. And I do sort of think that maybe that Tenth and Market spot. If you're going to have a downtown arena in Philly, that might be the right spot, in part because so many of the regional rails terminate uh, right underneath there, in part because it's all, you know, commercial district. You're not displacing residents by putting it there. That being said, it's just it. I think they're going to face a lot of opposition, especially when you start talking about the Chinatown associations. And it seems like it's a relatively low probability, although they seem pushing, um, pushing it pretty hard. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. Um... You know, I'm talking to some people that, yes, the the Chinatown neighborhood, which is right near there, um, you know, it's not that exact neighborhood, but it's a couple blocks away. And look, when you have an arena, you're building a sports arena. That's a huge disruption. I think I think you put it well in your piece uh, this week when you said, like, you know, the Sixers proposal, it sounds good. Uh, it's but it's also a lot of like marketing talk. You know, it's a lot of like it was almost all marketing talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're. Sorry, my doorbell is ringing right now. Um, the it's it's yeah, it's mostly marketing talk. It's uh, there's not a lot of specifics in there. Like I, this is real life shit too. This is like Philadelphia taxpayers. This is I mean, this is not we're talking about tampering charges. The Sixers getting fined for uh, for maybe circumventing the salary cap. Like this is a, a real life issue. And I think when you try to build an arena, even if I understand why they want to build an arena, they, they have, they want to have their own building and their current building is kind of a dump too, if, if we're being honest. So it makes some sense. Uh, it's going to face some opposition. It's going to face scrutiny and rightfully so I, I, you know, but there's going to be scrutiny on a bunch of things, the neighborhood, which like, look, I wouldn't want an arena nope. in my neighborhood. So I, I think that's something that they're going to have to talk to. And by the way, they made a, a big stink about, you know, we're going to, be inclusive with all of the community leaders. They didn't really talk to the Chinatown people that much. No, beforehand, beforehand. It, it was shocking. So, that was shocking. So that that's a screw up there. Um, there is there's the tax issue too. They say that there's no public uh, public funds they're going to take. That might might technically be true, but there's also a tax break on that uh, on that site that I think they're going to try and get. So it's probably not true. And that like look. My, my general point is they, they gave a lot of general ideas to start. 
And I agree that I think it's in center city. It's probably the best spot, but there, there are, uh, there are issues with it. Like you said, t- traffic. I mean, I think SEPTA is going to have to be beefed up a ton. There's, there's a lot of different issues. I like, like you, I think it's generally a pretty cool idea. And I do have a little bit of sympathy for the Sixers in that I don't know where you put an arena in Philadelphia if you don't put it at the sports complex. Like I don't like where are you putting it? Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what neighborhood you can put it in that's not gonna have some of these issues. I think this this specific area probably has less issues than uh than most of these places. But you know, they had this nice big rollout that they they really tried to push the idea on people. We'll see if it happens, but uh, oh no! They, no. They, look, they did their media tour, and like you said, it's it's a little surprising that they did their media tour, but never bothered to talk to the people it would impact. It was just if you're trying to engineer goodwill, like I don't know, I don't know if that was a way to go about it. But and I think part of it, part of the reason why they didn't do that is because they wanted this big media tour. They wanted and it to because be a big surprise they, they know there's going to be there's they know there's going to be opposition to it too. They're going to have to convince a very lot a, a lot of people about the merits of it. And quite frankly, you know, I loved, I loved their 76th place and the benefits and like, you know, what they're listing as a pro your priority is to make a shit ton of money and increase the value of the franchise. Yeah. A lot of the other stuff they talk about, it's like, I don't, I don't know how much it actually does for the community. A lot of the other stuff they list, you know, well, well look in, in past places too, there have been studies that, yeah. Arenas do not really help the the community around them. And like I mean if if it's not if, if they're not taking money for it then that's a little bit of a different story but you know there's other issues with like DC like that that arena down there did not help their Chinatown. So there's there, there are definitely some issues. They're they're real life things. We've got a lot of time. A lot of time for them to convince well, the people who need to be convinced which includes me a little bit. Well, and, and by the way too, the a lot of time is a, a big part of this. That's a lot of time. I mean, we're talking nine yeah. years from now. They got plenty of time, which, by the way, I think a lot of people, and like, look, we've talked about this. I think people in city council will probably, you know, mention this at some point too. Um, nine years is a long time. So, like, if they say no here, where are you going next? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's there's another city right across the Ben Franklin Bridge yeah. that uh, some people might might mention. As and we already a, know uh, they're willing to give you tax subsidies. They've done it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on on that beautiful practice facility that we go into a lot. So it's a uh, it's this issue's a little bit above our pay grade. I would say we were kind of just looking at it as as citizens and and whatever. But I, I, I do think there is going to be more opposition than. We saw on that first day for yeah. sure. Yep. But look, I I, I want to add though, I don't blame the Sixers for wanting a new building. No, they. I agree. It is their right to try and build an, a new arena. Oh, they but, absolutely should want a new arena. I don't even begrudge them for trying to put it downtown, but I also understand why a lot of people will oppose that. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like, I I kind of understand. Yeah. Both both yeah. sides here to an extent. I'm just skeptical whether or not they will push it through. Um. All right. So one of the other things that came out recently was, I think it was started by Zach Lowe. Uh, he mentioned it on ESPN. And then you wrote about it recently. And a lot of people talked about it, uh, whether or not this is the best team of the Joel Embiid era. And realistically, there would only be one competitor. That is the 2018-19 team, uh, the quadru- quadruple doink team uh, with Embiid, Simmons, Redick, Butler, and Harris. You wrote about this. I briefly mentioned it in a newsletter. 
What's your overall? Is this the best team of the Joel Embiid era? I think the main difference between this team and that team, if you remember, the way Brett Brown described that group was that we had we like he was saying we. It's not me. Not me saying we. Got to be got to be a good big journalist here. Big big J. Got to keep the objectivity. But he was saying that like our team has had three teams this year. You know, we had the Cub Dario team, we had the Wilson Chandler Jimmy team, and then we got Tobias, and and that team was all uh, all things go. That's what he said. So this group's going to be different because I think this group is pretty much set now. You know, yep. unless unless James Harden gets his contract voided this <laughs> in a couple of months, but uh, this group is going to be. Uh, the team that the Sixers have all year, which is a huge advantage because I mean, I do think sometimes we, we don't overrate that team, but that team turned it on really quickly in the playoffs. That team at the end of the year, they had like a couple weeks of, Oh, Oh shit. This could be really good, but it was the end of the season and they had already taken their foot off the gas. Like they were getting their ass kicked at the end of that year. Um, Jimmy was not shooting any threes. No, he was coasting in regular season. hundred percent, hundred percent. But, uh, you know, so so I think this is going to be a different group. And it's it's important to me, too, I think. They should be going after the number one seed. They should be doing the same thing they did in 20, 2020, 2021. They should try to get home court advantage. Because if if you had to tell me they are, they're probably a tier below the Bucks and the Celtics. I think there is a, a reasonable argument they could get to the bottom level of that tier if Harden is awesome and everything goes yeah. right. But your best chance to win is if you make those guys play on the road to start. That's, that's just that's how it's going to work. So, And the, the other good news about that is that I don't think it's going to take some Herculean effort from Joel Embiid to get those 53, 54 wins or whatever the hell it takes to, uh, to ultimately get the number one seed. You have enough quality depth here where Matisse Thybul and George Niang are the ninth and 10th guys right now. That's pretty good. You're going to be fine with that. Or sorry, they might be the, they might be 10th and 11th. I mean, Shake Milton's in there too. I don't know where, where he would jump in there. So they're not going to need that level of heavy lifting. And I just think back to last year specifically, just Joe Ellen Embiid and Seth Curry, just putting the team on yeah. their, their back and yep. Maxi too. When, uh, when Embiid was out, it's just, it was a hard 50. What they went 51 last year, 50, whatever. It was a hard 50, 51 win season last year they had to really stress to get to that number and then Harden came and it was it was a little bit easier but uh I yeah I, I think this definitely has an argument to be the best team they ever have uh they've had with uh with Embiid and the only thing that could stop that maybe is a tampering investigation now as you all know by now we've teamed up with bet MGM this season we'll be using the bet MGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TA Basketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana... 
Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, um, look, I think what you said about having more depth is 100% true. You know, I think that team, uh, that that Butler, Tobias team, um, they trade away a lot of their depth to get those players. I think what you said about having continuity is key, which is weird because we still talk about Embiid and Harden like they're forming chemistry, but they've also had a lot more time here than that group had. I think both of those are key. And also, I think Joel Embiid's just a better player right now. He's a much better offensive player, much more diverse, much more ready to counter all of the moves that were made to slow him down in the playoffs. And and, And quite frankly, Harden, despite his limitations, is the player who's most capable of creating easy looks for him I think he is in a better spot to succeed. I think when you add all of those, and look, I think the 2018-19 team, you know, they certainly had more defensive depth. They had more defensive versatility in their starting lineup. You can make cases for that for Jimmy Butler um, and how good of a player he was. But I think depth, continuity, uh, and Bede being at another level, I think all that, I quite frankly, I think this is probably a pretty easy answer um, for me that this is the best team Joel Embiid has had. Now, will they have more success in that team? TBD. Um, You know, that team did take the eventual champions to a very heartbreaking final moment of Game 7. That team, which doesn't sound like a lot, but of the second round exits, that was certainly the best performance they have had. But if Harden is able to recapture even a little bit, um, I think they have a real chance to get to a conference finals. Uh, It would be a disappointment if they don't. And I think this is the best overall team of the NBA era, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and I think when I talk about tiers, that 2018-19 team is is the perfect example. That team, in my opinion, was not as good as the Kawhi. The Kawhi team was better. Agreed. But they were in the same tier. They were able to play with them, and they were, you know, they were a a bounce away, and that was not a fluke. Like they're they needed more things to go right in that series. Toronto was pretty cold shooting, especially in a lot of those Philly games. But they were able to beat that team. So, can the Sixers get into that tier where they? have the ability to get out of the Eastern conference. We will, uh, we will see. It's, it is funny. I mean, it is a little bit of an off season topic because if we look back to this time last year, it's like, man, the nets, they're in a tier by their own, by their own. So that changes during a season. We got a lot of time for that to sort out. And then sometimes the season isn't even that telling. Sometimes a team that just been shit in the bed all season turns on flips a switch in the playoffs. So, um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel better about this team than I have in in years, honestly. So, and then your boy uh, Seth Part now released his. Speaking of tiers, released his <laughs> his list of NBA player tiers, not teams tiers. And what I think Embiid was in one B, Harden was in two B. Where was Maxi? Maxi was four four uh, A. Yeah, four A. Tobias was four B, and then PJ Tucker was somewhere in five. Do I have that right? It all that off the top of my head. Yep. I think you got that all right. Was there any one of those 
that you uh, strongly disagreed with? I think Harden is the biggest question mark. <laughs> yeah, but in the positive way. I think he gave him more credit than I would have. What would that have placed? I think that would place Harden like right around the 10th or 12th best player in the league, somewhere in that range. Might be a little bit lower, but yeah, it's it, top 15. Yeah, he uh, he gave Harden the benefit of the doubt, but you know what? Seth's been pretty consistent in that he's he takes a while to move off his position on some of these, especially for these established stars who yeah. have been great for a long period of time, like, uh, like James Harden. And it's not a, it's not a fun exercise. I know some people are probably mad that I think Jokic got in the, the one a category yep. and Embiid was one B was it Jokic, KD Curry and Giannis, right? That was one. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, well, jo- Joel Embiid was in the same tier as Luka Doncic. That's, it's pretty good company. Well, and opinion. also a big thing of Seth's rating is that he, values playoff success and all four of those players have just had well three of those four players have had significantly more playoff success than Joel Embiid uh, and the fourth is one back MVP back-to-back years so like what are you gonna do if you want to call it Mickey Mouse like the Lakers championship too but Jokic just had more playoff success too sure he, sure. he did I mean he beat the Clippers in a playoff series so well, yeah I mean that's why I said like three of those four have had significantly more playoff success yeah yeah and it's the it's the eternal caveat with Joel Embiid. He hasn't had a lot of playoff success. Is that his fault? Maybe a little bit, but obviously I think some of those other players have uh, sure. have had better teams and kind of more stable front offices. That's definitely part of it. But look, at some point, Joe, Joe is not going to get the benefit of the doubt with the regular season awards. He's just not. And and frankly, I don't think he should be playing for those anymore. I know Drew Hanlon has made some comments along those lines that he's not going to be gunning for it, which is is good. But the I think the way to boost your stock is for a championship or yeah. a long term playoff thing. And which again, I say that like, oh, it's, it's easier said than done. Go do it. It's it's very hard. Uh, but that, I think that's your best path. That's something that is within your control now. And I agree with you. I think a lot of attention is focused on Embiid and being in the tier below Jokic, and I just frankly don't care too much. Um, I think we debate the top of the league a little bit too much because it doesn't really matter. You take as many of them as you can get. I thought the Harden was interesting uh, because I did expect him to be a little bit lower. I thought I probably expected Maxi to be a tiny bit higher. Not too much. I think the 4A ranking puts him somewhere in the like 40 to 45 range in the league. I think some Sixers fans might take a little bit of exception to that, but I think, you know, when you add in the combination of not having lead guard vision and being a negative on the defensive side of the court, could he have moved him up a little bit? Yeah, probably but I don't think he's going to end up being a top 20 player until he corrects one of those deficiencies. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with that rating. I mean, there's a lot of really fucking good players in that, that tier. He's got Ingram in that tier. He's got Darius Garland in that tier. He's got DeJounte Murray in that tier. Uh, Fred Van Fleet's in that tier. So and a Scotty lot of them Barnes. have, you know, deficiencies and it's what deficiencies can you build around and live without? Um, and, and that's where it goes into team building more than ranking, which is why I think ranking is something we argue about, especially in the off season but I don't place too much emphasis on it. And this is a smaller part of it too. You know, wherever he has Maxi, you know, 45th, 46th, wherever that ends up being, uh, the league is loaded now, man. Like it, the depth of talent around the league is, you know, Harden is in a tier with John Morant as you know, like the, the 14th, 15th best player, Trey young. Like these are, these are guys that I think a decade ago would have been way higher. And it's just, uh, it's a good time for the league. So it's uh 
it's a fun off season topic. I feel bad for uh for Seth that he gets uh, uh he pisses I'm off sure he, every fan base in the league when he writes that, of course. I think he doing it in tears is smart because he probably pisses off fewer. Yeah, like forty percent fewer people, but not obviously he's not escaping yeah, Montreal for no. sure. It's uh no, I, I thought it was fairly reasonable where he put all the people. I, I might put Harden a little lower just because I'm skeptical, but I, I will admit that Harden at his at his best is is probably higher than a tier three player. So any other uh stray thoughts here before we get out? It's been a little while since we have had one of these podcasts. I don't really think I have any other straight thoughts. Sixers lost Vince Rosman the other yep. day. Yep. He got an amazing title in <laughs> Oklahoma City. Well, it was a VP of uh, not insight and foresight. That was the other guy. What was was he a VP of? I don't have it off the top of my head. But I can search. It's I, crazy. It's crazy. I can search. I can search for it real quick. But yeah, that's somebody who's been in the front office for a long, a long time. time. We're we're talking like not only did he predate Hinky, but like predated Rod Thorne. He what go back? Um, who who was he? Was he a Stefanski hire? I think he probably would have been a Stefanski hire, which is just amazing. That's insane. Just amazing. I, mean, I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Scouting as vice president of identification and intelligence. <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable. Um, I am no longer, because since it's my own company now, I'm no longer going to be a Sixers reporter. I'm going to be a VP of some shit. I don't know. I'll make it up. I'll make it up. I can't. You can't just. You can't. You can't just say he's an executive who's, you know, a vice president who also is mainly scouting for you. It's amazing. (laughs) But like this guy is going to do a lot of our draft stuff. That's what they should say. (laughs) Um, But like you said, he's been around for a long time through many different regime changes. Been a part of their scouting department for a long time. A couple of of high profile misses during that time. A lot of later first round and second round successes. You don't know which ones he pushed for and which ones he warned against, but a very key part of the Sixers draft organization and operations for a long time. Yeah. And a, and a good team to go to if you're going to be. Yeah. Know, they they need, they need his expertise for sure. For sure. All right. That's all I have here. So thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.